0: Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the brawn body podcast. We have a great episode in store for you today. Today, we're actually going to be talking about all the mistakes that I have made in my training history and career. So we're going to go through supplements, mobility, cardio, uh, strength training, pretty much all aspects of fitness and kind of review the past eight to 10 years I've been working out. I I started about 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. And right now I'm 23 going on 24. And in that time I've also helped and trained hundreds of clients, uh, helped them achieve their health and fitness goals, live better lifestyles, that sort of thing. And I've learned a lot along the way uh, mostly what does work and what doesn't work. So today we're going to be giving you what does not work so you don't waste your time on it. So starting off here with cardiovascular and endurance type stuff. So a lot of the mistakes I made when it came to cardio relate to not having enough information and not knowing things. So to start off, I did primarily low-intensity, steady-state cardio. I thought this was the best form of cardio. If you wanted to get better at running, you just ran further, right? And if you wanted to get faster, you ran further faster. You know, if you wanted to run five miles faster, then you ran five miles, and then the next day you did it again and pushed yourself to do it quicker. That's how I viewed cardio, and this is pretty much how I conditioned myself for soccer. For those who didn't know, when I was in high school, I was a diehard soccer player. We played year round for like four or five years straight or something uh, ridiculous. Now that I think about it, looking back, it was, uh, it was my life for a while. So we did a lot of low intensity, steady state cardio. And despite doing this, I still uh, had issues with my conditioning. So. I would get into games and I was a midfielder. So a lot of running in general, but a lot of, you know, turns, changes of direction and, you know, speed up, slow down sort of thing. And I was still, you know, gasping for air different times, like breathing real heavy because I didn't build in any kind of intervals to my training. I didn't match my training to my goal and how I play. So I would say if you're someone who is looking to do cardio Step one is do not just stop at low intensity, steady state, you know, running for distance comfortable. Add in some intervals, add in some different running workouts, speed up, slow down, change direction. This will kind of add a little bit more of a fun dynamic to your running and it makes running itself more dynamic because you're changing pace, you're changing direction, that sort of thing. Uh, It also, as we know, leads to better results and better gains in endurance. So uh, you might have tuned into some of my episodes in the past where we talk about uh, endurance training and Martin Gabala and uh, the hit shock, uh, shock cycles that we talked about in episode 48. That's kind of what we look at being the gold standard for endurance training is these intervals. You know, we've got research that shows 10 minutes worth of, you know, 100%, 100 plus percent effort intervals a week gives you the same aerobic gain as five hours of steady state cardiovascular endurance. And again, that all came from Martin Gabala's work and research. He is a uh, Canadian exercise physiologist who spent his life studying endurance So if you want to improve your running game or you want to, you know, lose weight, burn more calories, whatever it is in a quicker amount of time, intervals are definitely your way to go and the gold standard for that. I also had no concept of how to run. And most people will hear that and think, well, you just get up and go run, right? I. I didn't have any kind of understanding of running form, which believe it or not, there is a uh, appropriate form for running. I didn't have any concept of footwear and what you were supposed to run in. I just thought, you know, if you had a pair of shoes, you could put them on and run in them. And I had no concept of running volume. I just thought, you know, okay, we need to run more to get into better shape. And I think all three of these things are a common problem amongst runners. You know, runners are the most injured athlete of any kind. Um, I think it was 80 to 90 some percent of runners get injured every year. It's, uh, it's insane. And a lot of them are overuse related injuries. And I think a lot of them could be attenuated with, again, first proper form So if you aren't doing things the way you're supposed to with good form, that's going to stress certain structures that shouldn't be stressed. And what can that result in? Things like stress fractures, things like overuse injuries, because things that aren't used to taking a lot of force or load are now taking a lot of force and a lot of load. So uh, the form I use is based on the pose method. And I think you can find them over on YouTube at pose TV, or you can just Google pose method of running and I'm sure you'll get all kinds of things. Um, but basically their whole concept is, you know, your foot strikes below your body. You're not reaching out way ahead with, you know, full knee extension. Everything's kept close. Um, you know, you're watching your cadence, monitoring your cadence, and it's almost like a falling forward kind of pattern to running. It's uh, very unique and I'm not the best at explaining it. I highly recommend checking it out though, if you want to work on cleaning up your running form. And with that too, uh, if you're someone who has issues pronating or supinating at the foot, you can always get a gait analysis done by uh, someone who is specialized in that. Uh, Most running stores offer some kind of gait analysis or different physical therapists who specialize in running can do that as well. Um, When it comes to the footwear, that kind of goes hand in hand with the form. So maybe you are someone who pronates a little too much or supinates a little too much. They have footwear to correct that. So then instead of getting injured, you can correct it, uh, fix the uh, imbalance and deformity with different inserts, orthotics, shoe styles, that sort of thing. And again, you know, if I if you're just like I was when I was in high school and, you know, you just throw on that old pair of sneakers and you go outside and you run over time, that's going to cause issues. And having the right tool for the job can really make a difference in, you know, not just your performance, but your longevity and reducing your injury risk and overall just improving your comfort and enjoyment from it. Uh, and same with volume, you know, a lot of people, especially in cross country, they're running almost every day for weeks and weeks and weeks, and they don't have a concept of a rest day. And when it comes to your cardiovascular system, it needs time to let these endurance gains kind of sink in, so to speak. You know, there is a limit to everything. And there's a limit to, you know, how much you work your muscles physically in the gym, like you don't go in and do 15 sets of biceps every day for, you know, six or seven days straight, and then do it all again the next week and expect growth and change. Because, you know, by day three or four, your form's gonna suck. You're barely moving any weight. Your muscles are tired and fatigued and sore. So if you give a little time to recover, then they come back stronger. And when you go back, you can actually lift more and do more, and your muscles will adapt and grow. And we talked about this extensively in our muscle recovery podcast early on, but essentially that same uh, concept holds true with endurance. Your body will adapt to endurance training, not just at the cardiovascular and pulmonary sites, but also at a cellular level. We literally see more mitochondria, which you know, that one thing you remember from eighth grade biology, right? The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It gives us energy. So, When you're doing aerobic training correctly you're actually going to increase your mitochondrial density so you have more mitochondria and they are bigger better faster more efficient at what they do so obviously that's going to mean uh running is a lot easier as a result because you have improved ability to make and produce energy and clear up and get rid of any kind of waste products but again that doesn't just happen right away it takes time in order for that change to occur and if you don't give your body the chance to make those changes you're not going to adapt Um, and that kind of ties into um, you know that problem of overuse and excessive volume Uh, for me that was my typical saturday in uh, high school is as i mentioned i was into indoor soccer and i was playing soccer year round Well, in the winter times, I also really liked to ski. So I would go skiing on a Saturday morning for four to five hours. And when I say skiing, I don't mean sit in the lodge. I mean, we showed up when the mountain opened, we skied until we had to go, and then we left. And I would go home, eat a bowl of pasta, and then drive up north Uh, or well, wherever my, uh, soccer game would be that day, pretty much always north, uh, being a Pennsylvania kid who, uh, was playing in a New York based league, but I would then go play two to three soccer games. So, you know, indoor soccer games, a little different than outdoor. The field is a little bit shorter, but it's a lot faster paced. You have less people on the floor, so it's more demanding, um, so in total, I would say there was probably a good, you know, seven hours worth of cardio in a single day. And that was my life growing up. That was all I knew. Right. You know, sports required running. And I didn't ever think about how, you know, the next day on a Sunday, I always felt run down and just kind of, you know, tired and lazy and fatigued and didn't really want to do anything. I never kind of clicked that maybe I was just doing too much and pushing too hard. Uh, now there is a point where you can do things like that. And there are people who, you know, these ultra marathoners, they run for 18 plus hours straight, right? Like they just go, go, go Ironman triathlons. People are taking 12 plus hours consistently of endurance and it can be done. But what all these people have in common, they have proper fueling, they have proper foods, they have proper recovery and mobility. And I'm going to save my talk on uh, mobility and recovery because I want to get into that more in a minute here. But, you know, when it comes to nutrition, you know, if you're not fueling your body properly, if you don't have enough food coming in to fuel your next workout session or exercise session, you're not going to have a great workout because you've got no fuel left in the tank, right? If your car is on empty and you go to start it up and drive it, you're not going anywhere, are you? So, being able to fuel yourself properly with good nutrition. So, we've talked about that before. Things like the wild berries, sweet potatoes, wild rice, you know, keeping it clean and efficient, getting good sources of protein. So, high quality grass fed meats, wild caught fish, um, free range poultry, that sort of thing. You know, these are all important steps that if you can fix them early on, you see drastic changes in results. And, you know, at the time for me in middle school, high school, I was mostly eating processed foods. I was mostly eating, you know, those high schooler type meals, pizza rolls, hot pockets, chicken nuggets, uh, that sort of thing. You know, I even ate hot dogs, which uh, I now shudder at the thought of eating another hot dog. Uh, But, you know, my nutrition was not where it should be. And if I knew what I did now and you know, saw how much of an impact the proper fueling and nutrition can impact you um, or how much of an impact it can have. So as you know, right now, I keep everything very clean, very thought out on what I do, when I do it. Uh, and as a result, I'm able to work out hard five plus days a week, every week, because I'm giving my body the right nutrients it needs to recover. You know, you're not going to be able to build muscle, for example, if you're not consuming enough high-quality protein. You're not going to be able to get faster at your, you know, 100-meter sprint if you don't have the best fuel source for the 100-meter sprint, which is going to be mostly uh, your ATP-PC system, so quick sources of carbohydrate energy and phosphocreatine. So taking us into the mobility and recovery mistakes I made. Uh, So I didn't really do a whole lot of mobility or recovery in that middle school, high school era. And I wasn't great about it in uh, college either, Uh, especially freshman year. Uh, Freshman year, I was still in high school mode. Sophomore year onwards, I figured it out and we were good to go. And obviously, as my physical therapy education um, took its, uh, you know, effect on me, I kind of changed the ways I was doing things rather substantially. Um, But, you know, early on, middle school, high school, uh, freshman year of college, there was no warm up or cool down for me. I just kind of walked in and started lifting, right? You know, time was of the essence, you know, maybe it was football season and, you know, you only had 45 minutes in the, uh, weight room. So were you going to spend 20 minutes warming up and cooling down? Or were you just going to get in there and start lifting? And, uh, you know, part of that is to blame on that locker room mentality, but still, um, those, you know, a proper warm-up can literally make or break your, uh, exercise session. So if you warm up properly, your muscles are going to fire better when you're, um, lifting weights. They're going to uh, use more efficient recruitment patterns when you're running or lifting weights. And as a result, you're going to have better mobility. You're going to move better and feel better while you're moving as a result of a good warm-up, And then the cool down afterwards is going to help you prevent injury, minimize muscle tightness, and that sort of thing. Uh, So, you know, at the time, it seems like kind of a you know, extreme thing like, oh my gosh, he didn't do any stretching. What an idiot. But you go to the gym and you see people doing it all the time. You know, they get in and get out. And I can assure you that a five, 10 minute warm up, just something to get your heart rate up, warm up your tissues, maybe move around a little bit, you know, some dynamic kind of flows, that sort of thing. Doing that as a warm up and then something gentle as a cool down. So some light stretches for whatever muscle uh group you targeted that day um just you know some light movement i usually like to go on a walk afterwards just to kind of move the blood and kind of circulate through these uh strategies of you know warming up and cooling down will give you so much more results than you know just jumping right into it and i learned that the hard way because you know in high school i was constantly like okay why am i not progressing why am i not seeing results freshman year of college? Why am I not seeing results? And if you follow us on the Instagram, or if you've listened to any of those muscle recovery podcasts from early on, you know how important all these things are. I think I talked about the benefits of uh, stretching in one of our recent Instagram posts when we were talking about hyperplasia, meaning stretching, if done appropriately and correctly, can literally result in the growth of new muscle. So you can get bigger muscle by stretching. It's called stretching induced hypertrophy. And, you know, had I known that, you know, when I was younger and the whole goal was to add muscle mass, I probably would have taken my stretching a lot more seriously. Um, now, like I said, I've made some mistakes with this in those early college years, I started getting better but you know, sophomore year, I did a lot of foam rolling and static stretching, right? I would just kinda, you know, pull my, uh, pull my foot to my butt and that would be my quad stretch, pull my knee to my chest and hold it there. That would be a good stretch for my hamstrings, all these different things, right? And like I said, it was better than nothing, but you know, if you're spending 20 to 30 minutes warming up and cooling down, and all you got to show for it is static stretching and foam rolling, you really need to change it up. And here's why. When it comes to mobility, do we really care that much about our ability to stretch something passively? I mean, it's great. It shows that your tissue is relaxed, but I'm more concerned about what can I do actively? Because if you're lifting weights or if you're running, nothing is occurring passively. There's no one else moving you through those motions. It's all active. Your muscles are generating the force required to move whatever body part we're talking about your arm, your leg, whatever through space. So it's all about the active aspect of the mobility. And this is where I think different, uh, yoga flows, especially really shine. You know, a lot of yoga flows require muscle activation and muscle energy in order to work. Right. You know, how can you do a warrior pose if you're not contracting some kind of muscle? How can you do a downward dog pose if you don't have some kind of tension in your core? So I like how yoga especially, um, you know, that's just one example. There's multiple other uh, certifications, groups, courses, that sort of thing out there. Uh, Functional range conditioning is a good one that just focus on the movement piece of mobility and not just the stretching piece. And I think being sure that you kind of check all the boxes there with both mobility and stretching are great things to do. As I said, I had no concept of nutrition. Um, I kind of talked about that already, but getting into supplements a little bit, I was getting the cheapest protein powder you can find, right? You know, say, go to GNC, find the cheap one, buy that one, go to the clearance section. Or, you know, at one point it was go to the Walmart, go to the CVS or whatever that way. And, you know, get the cheapest one they had. Um, I remember I was taking the CVS brand chocolate white protein powder for a while. Um, I was taking the Body Fortress brand. It seems like everyone uh, starts on that one. I was taking their whey protein for a while too, uh, six star nutrition, all these, you know, lower quality products, you know, lower quality as in there was probably 30 grams of protein per scoop. And me not knowing, I thought that was a good thing, but there was 50 grams per uh, scoop. So that was saying it was only 60 percent protein. And in one of our recent episodes, we actually, uh, talked all about protein. So if you want to go back and listen to that, that was, uh, episode 42, I believe, uh, when we were talking about intermittent fasting, um, let me double check just to make sure that was the one real quick, uh, before I go out and say that for sure. Yeah, it looks like that was the one, um, it was either, yeah, I think it was that one. If not that one, it was 46. Uh, had to check the notes there. But yeah, so low quality protein, not good. We don't like low quality protein. Low quality protein is not effective. And when I switched to a more high quality based protein, I was amazed at the difference that I felt. You know, I was actually recovering like the uh, companies claimed I would. Oh, it was the protein powder episode. I'm sorry. I just remembered we did that episode 26. That was a little bit of a throwback, but we reviewed, um, you know, all the supplements in detail. We reviewed protein powders, creatine, pre-workout formulas, all these different things. Um, So highly recommend going back and checking that out. Um, But yeah, you get what you put in or you get out what you put in. So if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. When it comes to supplements and things that are full of, you know, fillers and artificial flavors, colors and sweeteners, um, carogenin, all these different things, it it doesn't really, you know, you can't put that kind of stuff in your body and be surprised when your performance is not what you expect it to be. So going back to what we talked about in that uh, protein powder podcast, the uh, carogenin or carogenin specifically uh is an emulsifier comes from seaweed that they add to a lot of popular protein powders it's in most chocolate milks that sort of thing and i believe it's one of the main causes for protein farts because it is very hard to digest your body really struggles with it Um, i think some sources even said it's indigestible so think of pairing fiber which is indigestible and Uh, Oddly enough, this is a plant material we're talking about, right? It comes from seaweed, so fiber-based. Pair that with dairy, right? Because you're either using a whey protein or a casein protein source most likely, and you're mixing it uh, most likely in milk. At least that's what, you know, in high school, that was the thing to do. So you've got dairy plus dairy plus protein plus this weird plant thing. And that just kind of sets up a nightmare situation for your gut. Um, with that too, one of the things we talked about in that episode was we debunked the anabolic window. We said, look, according to the research, from everything we can tell and find, you know, protein timing doesn't matter as much as protein amount. So getting that protein, you know, 30 grams or whatever, right after you work out, doesn't matter as long as you get enough protein throughout your day. And this is something I use to this day. I work out in the morning very early and I don't eat until lunchtime because I'm doing intermittent fasting. I've been doing that for, geez, three, four years now. And I love it. My body's used to it, adjusted to it. And I think it's been very sustainable for me long-term. But I haven't had an issue with protein farts. I haven't had a issue with, uh, you know, my GI tract or gut health or anything like that, like we did in high school. And, you know, I attribute it mostly to just that, you know, I'm not slamming a bunch of protein and artificial stuff right after I just got done working out. Because as you know, when you're working out, your blood flows to your muscles. And if your blood is flowing to your muscles, it's not flowing as readily to places like your gut, your stomach, your intestines. And the reason for that is, you know, it's very hard for your body to try and break down food and exercise at the same time. And if you don't believe me, you know, next Thanksgiving, after you get done with the turkey and the stuffing and the potatoes and the gravy and everything, try and go out and go for a run. Right, you know, you do your turkey trot in the morning, you don't do the turkey trot after Thanksgiving dinner, right? It's hard, and I mean, right after you know, right after you finish that piece of apple pie, try and go for a run. The body just doesn't respond well to having to send blood to multiple places at the same time. You know, that's why I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but when you pair upper body and lower body explosive movements like a burpee together at the same time, so with the burpee. You're getting the explosive jump up so we're working our legs explosively we're getting the push-up and plank position working our upper body uh they're very hard to do and it gets our heart rate up very quick because our bodies uh just picked up oh my gosh i have to send blood to pretty much everywhere in a very short amount of time so uh just to kind of close this piece out Go back, review some of our other podcast episodes that go into supplements and nutrition a little more in depth. Highly recommend you optimize those because quality can make a huge difference. Hey everyone, just want to interrupt this show real quick to let you know that you can now support the Bron Body Podcast with a link in our show notes and description. Uh, right here in whatever platform you're listening on, Apple, Spotify, whatever, just click that support link. And if you feel generous and inclined, you can actually support us by donating a small amount of month of money on a monthly or um, you know fixed basis, whatever you prefer. But we really appreciate you supporting us because as you know, uh, I put a lot of time, effort, energy, that sort of thing, into this podcast. We typically average around three to five hours a week for you know recording an hour, hour 10 of total podcast time. So there's a lot of extra legwork, research, that sort of thing that you might not see. And having that financial support is definitely a huge incentive for me to keep going. And if you don't feel inclined to do that, that is perfectly okay. All I ask you to do is like, subscribe and share and to check out our social media at Brawnbody Brawn with a W. All right, sorry for that little intermission. Now getting back on track with strength training. So this was kind of my focus growing up, right? You know, I wanted bigger muscles. I was the skinny kid. I was five foot 11 by the time I was in eighth grade and throughout high school, I was mostly, you know, 130 pounds. Um, the lowest I ever got was 125 at five foot 11, which that's a, that's a scary picture. And by the time I was a senior, I was about 175, 180. So we definitely succeeded in that we were able to gain strength and gain muscle, but I definitely had less of a clue and idea as to what I was doing. So I emphasized chest and arms, like pretty much every uh, young male in high school that was working out did at the time. Uh, That was our emphasis. We had no concept of proper form. It was all about, you know, how many reps you can do and how much weight you can do. And uh, I, my squats were awful. My deadlifts were awful. My overhead press was awful. Um, Just the form on everything. And again, that kind of goes hand in hand with mobility. If you don't have the mobility to do something, then when you do it, it's not going to look good. So start with the mobility, get the movement pattern down first. And once you can move, then you can increase the load and progress from there. But way too much uh, chest and arm work, no concept of form and my splits absolutely sucked. So I was using those bodybuilder splits. So, you know, chest one day, back one day, legs one day, except for me, it pretty much looked like, okay, pushing back and biceps, which was much more bicep focused than back focused at the time. And maybe a leg day, and then chest, and then you know arm day, and then maybe chest again. Um, I was bench pressing like four times a week. Um, it was great because I got really good at bench pressing, but it kind of sucked because you know, like I said, I was bench pressing, but I wasn't doing a whole lot else. And you know, looking back on it, I kind of wish I did some of those other exercises and took them a little more seriously. Um, I still had a decent squat record and decent deadlift record and all that sort of thing. But again, the form was absolute garbage and I didn't feel good doing them. And I definitely didn't look as good at the time, uh, even in the freshman year of uh, high school or uh, freshman year of college for that matter. You know, I was moving big weight, but I didn't really have the gains and performance that I wanted from it, you know, So I could walk in and squat 375 pounds once. Great. But my form was, again, garbage. And then I would go on to do like a different exercise. And I had no carryover. So, you know, I could do that one rep max squat. But when it went over to uh, be time to do like a lunge, for example, I struggled to do a 95-pound barbell lunge. It's just, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of foundational pieces. And now my training is almost all foundational pieces. So we focus on those compound movements and we focus on training them multiple times a week. So, you know, I squat multiple times a week. I deadlift multiple times per week, usually just like two or three. Um, And it's not always heavy loaded, you know, it's okay to do body weight squats, you know, three by 10 on a day when you're working primarily upper body and the reason i do that is going back to that mobility piece if you don't use it you lose it so if you keep running your body through a full range of motion squat you're going to keep that ability for a longer period of time than if you only did it say once a week so get your split right doing something more Uh, right now i do a upper body lower body pull push lower body and then accessory days on the weekends. Uh, and that allows me to hit multiple muscle groups multiple times per week, and I adjust the volume accordingly. So instead of doing you know 30-plus sets for one muscle group in one day and spending an hour and a half in the gym, I do maybe 10 sets for you know chest and back on one day, and then I do 10 sets uh, the next day. So, it's kind of broken up more and split out more. And that constant stimulus to your body and to your muscles that, hey, we're using this, we need this helps prevent muscle breakdown. So, less muscle lost, more muscle gained. It's just a more effective and efficient way to train and uh, just really helped me increase my uh, performance, my form, my, you know, what I got and took out of the gym in general so um, you know I kind of skipped over that chest and arm work thing I mentioned that a few times but if you didn't know your back is significantly more important than your chest and your biceps will ever be and the reason for that is your primary shoulder stabilizers so your rotator cuff three of those muscles are located on your shoulder blade in your back well if those muscles attach to your shoulder blade then the muscles that um, connect to your shoulder blade and move your shoulder blades, uh, your scapular muscles are probably going to play a pretty important role in the shoulder, don't you think? They do. And these muscles are all in your back. So your trapezius, your rhomboids, your lats, they're all so key for injury prevention. Uh, They even function uh, in strength uh, as well, especially with the uh, deadlift, squat, um, you know, they give you a strong brace. Uh, the lats are active. The traps are active in both of those movements. Um, the lats kind of ca- tie into the core a little bit too, because as you know, from that core training episode, we did episode 11, the lats across the back attach all the way down at the hip. Your lats attached to your sacrum, your lats attach to your iliac crest all the way up to your arm. So if you can tighten them down, that kind of fixes everything in between, so your spine, and allows you to move more effectively and efficiently and move as a unit. Um, so, you know, you might have seen that trick before. Before you deadlift, click the bar a few times to activate your lats, because when your lats are active, your back stays straight. Um, or you might have done deadlifts with uh, band resistance as well to keep your lats active throughout the movement. So just to kind of summarize that, you know, make sure you work your posterior chain and not just the mirror muscles in front have a appreciation for form and make sure your split, your training split matches what you're trying to get out of it. Those bodybuilder splits of doing everything once a week are not an effective or efficient way to train long-term. And I do not recommend that. Um, last two pieces here. I didn't really have a concept of muscle tension. You know, I just went in, I did my reps and that was it. I didn't really play around with the speed at which I was doing the reps, you know, faster, slower, that sort of thing. And now I realize how powerful the tempo of the rep can be. And if you don't believe me, go do 10 push push-ups. Okay. Just do 10 quick as you can. Now, when you're done with that, do 10 push push-ups, but make each rep last 10 seconds. I'm telling you right now, that second one is gonna be a lot more challenging. And again, it goes back to muscle tension. So the slower you move, the more tension the muscle has to build, the more motor units it has to recruit. So if you want to get stronger, you do slower movements. And, you know, when we see powerlifting competitions, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, flying through the reps there, I mean one because they're using big weight and two because they have to pause or else the rep doesn't count but still you know if you want to get stronger you build tension you build muscle tension you increase time under tension uh gymnasts are a prime example of this gymnasts are known for having very large muscles in their biceps especially and people look at that and think okay but they're not you know they're not in the gym they're not doing curls what are they doing they're on the rings or they're on parallel bars for extended periods of time. And what are they doing? They're holding contracted positions of their arm muscles for prolonged periods of time. So they're building insane amounts of muscular tension. And as a result, their body adapts. So that muscle tension piece is big. I overlooked that. And I also overlooked the concept of progressions. So like I said, I benched. Uh, you know, three, four times a week. I pretty much always used somewhere between 185 pounds and 225 pounds. Very rarely did I go any more. Very rarely did I go any less. And I think about it now, and I think, you know, had I maybe bumped up the weight every now and then, or if I was going for more of a endurance kind of goal with my uh, serratus anterior there, Maybe I would have decreased the weight a little bit and increased the reps. Uh, Maybe I would have played around with different variations of the bench press instead of just barbell bench press over and over and over and over. And, you know, you see me doing that now with things like the one-arm dumbbell bench press. I've really grown to love that variation. But I didn't play around enough. And I think ultimately when it comes to these exercises, you have to be able to adapt. So if something's easy, make it harder something's too hard make it easier and if you don't like what you're doing try changing it if it hurts change it so it doesn't hurt or go and see someone who can evaluate and assess what's going on and tell you hey you know you need to do more of this you need to do less of that that sort of thing um, just to kind of help even it out and prevent injuries and imbalances so just to kind of summarize because that was a lot of talking Starting off here, we talked about cardio, and our key takeaways there was, I thought low intensity steady state cardio was the best way to go about it, and I was wrong. High intensity interval training is much more effective and efficient. Uh, I had no concept of good form with running, which we recommended the pose method. I didn't really have a concept of proper footwear, which we recommend. Getting some kind of assessment or evaluation and recommendations for appropriate footwear for running or whatever task you're going to be doing—cycling, skiing, uh, rowing, whatever—and um, volume—you know, not overtraining and overreaching, no excessive amounts on a regular basis. Being smart about your training approach, uh, making sure we do uh, practice recovery. Uh, good recovery habits, and we focus on improving our mobility and staying loose, making sure we use proper nutrition strategies, proper fueling. Uh, you know, hot pockets and pizza rolls will only get you so far. Um, and making sure that we, you know, don't warm up by static stretching for half an hour, but we use our warm up as an effective and efficient time to increase our heart rate, increase our tissue temperature. And dynamically move around and prepare our body to exercise, so we can get more out of our uh, exercise session. And again, you know, optimizing nutrition—I can't say that enough. And as we just talked about with strength training, you know, don't train the mirror muscles exclusively. Make sure everything is even and symmetrical, and try and uh, work out those imbalances. Have an appreciation for proper form and proper depth and proper tempo and tension, don't do the bodybuilder splits. I can't say this enough. Um, Once I switched off of a bodybuilder split, my results skyrocketed. Um, And make sure you change and adapt exercises as needed. Now, that's a lot of stuff. And again, a lot of mistakes that I've made. How can you go about taking all that, synthesizing that into something you can do right now? The short answer is you can't. So you're going to pick one of those things and start there. You can't make all these different changes at one time, right? So start small, maybe change your split. So instead of doing chest on Monday and chest on Thursday and chest on Saturday, maybe you do upper body work on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you do lower body work Tuesday and Thursday. And the intensity of those sessions is going to change based on how you're feeling so maybe the week starts off monday tuesday wednesday great high energy thursday friday come around and you know you were working hard you were up late watching uh whatever tv shows on on wednesday nights uh the list goes on and on you know and then those later sessions you back off the intensity a little bit maybe you do a lower intensity so less weight um for your movements and you do higher repetitions to work different rep ranges, different goals, that sort of thing. You change and adapt as you need to. Um, and then from there, maybe you add in a, you know, better warm up and cool down. And then maybe you uh, make some nutrition changes, slow, gradual. Now, if you struggle with any of this, luckily we're available. You can find us at BronBody, Bron with a W on social media. Or you can email us at brawnbodytraining at gmail.com. And we answer our emails, we answer our DMs. So either one, whichever you prefer, that will work. And, you know, if you're really struggling with this and you want our help, you can actually sign up for custom fitness programs and consultations and workout plans and online personal training even. I will literally Zoom you and we can uh, go through your workouts together. It's just like having me there, except I'm not physically there. I'm there uh, through the magic that is the internet. So if any of that sounds of interest to you or to anyone you know, please reach out and uh, let us know because we'd be happy to work with you, help you, and make you our next success story. Because as we just talked about in our uh, first episode of 2021, our Motivation Monday there, you know, Exercise and fitness, it's more than just, you know, looking good or getting in shape. You are fighting for a better life and you are improving all aspects of your life. You know, every part of your body benefits from exercise. Cognitive, cardiovascular, muscular, sexual. I'll throw that in there, right? Why not? Um, so with that in mind, thank you for listening to this episode of the Bron Body Podcast. Again please make sure you like, subscribe, and share with a friend, and be sure to follow on social media. Thank you again for listening and supporting, and we will see you next Monday for another episode of Motivation Monday.